0: Thank you for downloading this Mass Device Radio podcast. In this 2012 interview, Sotera's CEO Larry Jasinski spoke with Mass Device's Arzu Sarvastani about overcoming the odds with spinal fusion devices and ending up with a medtech win despite the FDA changing the game in the middle of the application process. Thank you for listening to Mass Device Radio. Larry, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be CEO?
1: Sure, uh, I uh, my background has been in medical devices for about 25 years. I was very fortunate to be a part of Boston Scientific for about 16 years in a very broad range of roles because we grew very rapidly, uh, but uh, they were formative years where I was able to learn uh, tremendous about, about product development, commercialization, uh, and working with regulatory processes. Um, and uh, couldn't have been a better place to work for all those years. Um, as I finished with Boston Scientific, I moved into a couple of startups. I liked BSC when it had a startup atmosphere, and I've enjoyed working in a startup uh, atmosphere. So I left BSC to work in one orthopedic company, which uh, we sold about five years ago. And while I was in that company, I had enough interaction with people about needs in the industry, uh, which led me to the product that uh, and the foundation of the company called Sotera. So I was uh, one of the first two employees. Uh, that uh, worked there uh, in developing an IP uh, portfolio and the early prototypes. And then we've since built it into a product that is uh, competing in Europe and ready uh, now for the United States.
0: So you were there at Sotera from the beginning. Um, Tell me a little bit about its history and, and how it started.
1: Yes, it started really from talking to doctors. We were looking at physicians about problems they were having in treating broken bones or compression fractures in the back and several of them identified needs that they thought were significant in terms of how you controlled where the cement would go that was used to stabilize these broken bones. And a couple of the doctors that I knew well uh, identified uh, ideas which as we worked on them, we modified them quite a bit, but managed to develop products that met those needs.
0: So Sotera's kind of been really quiet about a lot of its products and its, its business for a long time. Um, why did you become public now?
1: We've been quiet because it, uh, our belief was we had to have a product that worked and have data to support it uh, that was extensive uh, before there was any real benefit of trying to uh, be uh, overly public about it. And also in parallel, uh, frankly, uh, we didn't need to necessarily tell our competitors what we're doing. We'd rather they uh, see what we're doing uh, after we have gotten our approvals and have products that are ready to go.
0: That seems really different from the way a lot of other companies run things.
1: Uh, It probably is, uh, but I think it was a combination of we had some very good investors that supported us very well so we didn't have to be as public in uh, the money raising side. Uh, and uh, We had enough physician contacts and a strong enough physician advisory board where we had really gotten to uh, the leading physicians that we uh, wanted to uh, in the early stages. So we were able to function quite effectively uh, and really avoid the distraction if you will of, uh, of being more public in the marketplace.
0: So, just notched uh, an FDA win uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Can you tell us about that?
1: Certainly. Our primary product that we began with was an implant that goes into the spine that uh, uh, is unique uh, in the way that it controls where cement goes to put it in a better spot for a better biomechanical outcome for the patient uh, and also prevents cement from going to spots you don't want it to go to relative to leakage. Uh, the regulatory environment in the United States has become uh, more challenging really over the past two to three years, or really four to five years, uh, where the direction from the agency and the requirements uh, haven't been as clear and uh, have somewhat been increasing uh, in time. Uh, we had conducted uh, two uh, very significant uh, clinical studies that met the FDA requirements as given at the time. But as the requirements changed while we were in the middle of the studies, it left us in a situation where it took a little longer for the FDA uh, to spend enough time on the detail of the data uh, to clear this product. But uh, once we worked through that with the agency uh, and through multiple levels at the agency, uh, in a data-driven approach, a scientifically-driven approach, we were able to obtain a uh, clearance for this product, and uh, we believe it's significant uh, for what it offers to the market, to the physicians, and ultimately to patients.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the some of the difficulties of working with the FDA, and and why you believe the um, the agency kind of changed the rules midway?
1: Okay, well, this uh, this can be a long answer, uh, but it's an important uh, uh, area of discussion for any company that's working in this space. Uh, The agency has changed uh, really dramatically uh, in how they have been uh, directing companies, we feel, over the past three to four years. And there's been a lot of effort at reform uh, in at least discussions with the FDA. But to be specific more in our case, uh, we went to the agency with a pathway that had matched predicate devices and uh, that we thought was completely consistent with other products that had been approved. We got guidance from uh, reviewers uh, We had two different reviewers as they changed early in our cycle, Um, and the two reviewers gave us very different guidance, but we followed that guidance rather explicitly all the way through to what we thought was a pretty good outcome, but still at the back end of that, the agency came back and wanted to do things beyond what their original guidance is. Uh, I think the challenge that many of us in the industry have, whether you're trying to get funding or you're trying to run a business, is getting a predictable Uh, outline of what the regulatory path is because we are responsible in industry and want to do the right things to show the safety and efficacy of our products uh, and we believe we present that but uh, we we need some consistency uh, for efficiency. Uh, Once you start studies and once you start clinical trials, if you've done it with guidance and everyone's agreed, you can have a pretty good outcome Uh, but when the guidance changes in the middle of the process without a good basis, uh, that really is difficult for companies so I, I think the challenge many of us have had, and, and we have had personally at Sotera, is the inconsistency in guidance or the unpredictability. We, we did exactly what we thought we needed to do. We had excellent outcomes, but the results at the uh, end of the day were more questions that uh, uh, were different, completely different from uh, the pathway that we were sent on. Now, I would say in the agency's favor, uh, as we continued the process, and uh, needed to appeal further up the chain at the FDA. We did find the managers at the FDA uh, granted some relief and ultimately got things focused on the data, which was really the right point for us to get an approval. But it took far longer than it should have. It cost more money than it should have. And it uh, scares many of the investors in the space. And I hope that the agency can, going forward, get predictable and get to the point where the uh, investing community can believe what the companies are giving them for regulatory guidance, I think that will help the environment for all of us. But for any companies that are working in this space, I I would have to encourage you to work further up the chain with the FDA uh, if you have uh, challenges uh, along the way because you can succeed uh, if you follow those type of pathways. I have found the upper management uh, uh, much better at that, and I I think the reviewers care, but it's just a time where they've had too much churn and too much change, which has made it uh, difficult uh, for industry uh, and difficult for uh, patients and others that are involved in this process.
0: So I think in 2009 it was. There were a couple of studies published in the New England Journal of Medicine kind of challenging this procedure. Um, the the vertebroplasty procedure as you know whether or not it was really as effective in certain types of studies uh, how did that affect Sotera and the the Shield product or did it well it
1: it certainly affected the market and uh, it did affect Sotera in 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 a way as well um, I believe many physicians appropriately paused and paid a little bit of attention to understand that article uh, and uh, it, it's a it's a conclusion broadly had been that vertebroplasty, the method of treating with a a needle, and um, no treatment were somewhat equal in terms of outcome and pain over time. Um, The impact on Sotera was primarily, the FDA came back and asked us a lot more questions, which I think was somewhat appropriate given the literature that was out there. Uh, So that slowed us down and slowed down our competitors. beyond that, though, what I would look at is there have been many, many large-scale studies done on both vertebroplasty and kyphoplasty and their impact. Uh, And subsequent studies that were much, much larger in scale and much more rigorous in the uh, overall approach have shown that for the appropriate patients that either kyphoplasty or vertebroplasty uh, is a very effective procedure. Uh, particularly when you look at some of the effects on a patient uh, over time, uh, both in terms of how long the pain reduction lasts, as there was a high crossover rate, in other words, patients in the other study that were not treated that went back to get treated, uh, and also uh, when you look at the other factors that patients uh, face by being in bed in bed rest for long periods of time, those are things that you'd, uh, many people, many physicians believe you'd want to avoid Um, And for allowing a patient to be mobile and moving around also has its health benefits. So the quicker uh, ability for a patient to recover with these procedures are are well established. The more recent articles that uh, have come out, I believe, have answered those questions and the data that we can see in the marketplace now. Is showing the market is growing again. It's growing uh, uh, and regained the levels that it had prior to uh, the uh, issuance of those two other articles. Uh, and uh, I don't anticipate that it's going to have a long-term effect.
0: So now that you've managed to get through all of that, and you, uh, through your persistence, you got this FDA clearance. What's what's next on the horizon?
1: Well, we've got uh, a range of products that uh, we have been testing in in Europe, and we are uh, ready to launch in the United States relative to having clearance and the products designed and the manufacturing. Uh, Strategically, we have to decide how we're going to bring the products to the U.S. market, uh, and we have multiple alternatives uh, there, whether it's something we do completely independently uh, or through some type of strategic alliance, and we're examining those at this time.
0: So what is the U.S. market for these procedures like right now?
1: The, uh, the device market in the United States uh, is estimated to be about $525 million, and I think in Europe it is about $130 million. Uh, seems to be growing uh, reasonably well in the, out in the coming years. Uh, as a uh, function of the disease state, osteoporosis, and the aging population, but a uh, compound annual growth rate uh, is generally uh, expected to be about 7%. Uh, over the coming five years. So this will be a billion dollar market segment uh, that uh, has a very good benefit for patients. Uh, I think the probably the best way to look at it is a, a typical patient may come in with a pain score of nine on a one to 10 scale. And after this therapy, uh, generally we'll have an improvement down to a number like three or four, um, and uh, will be able to function much better. Uh, in in a significant way, and it's a pretty easy procedure done uh, usually as an outpatient uh, in on a one day uh, um, event.
0: So over over the past year, one of the really big stories and one of Mass Device's top stories has been all the controversy over Medtronic's bone cement. Has there been any, any uh, backlash that you've seen, or any has that affected Sotera in any way?
1: Uh, no, uh, the Discussions that have gone on around the Medtronic uh, uh, products have been uh, around a a, a category called BMPs, and they are used to help, I believe, fuse bone in between two vertebral bodies. Uh, What we are doing is fixing a broken vertebral body uh, or the inside of a vertebral body, so we're not going in between two. And the cements that are used with us are uh, uh, PMMA or polymethylmethacrylate. Uh, they are well established and uh, significantly different from the uh, publicity, uh, the cement of Metronics that has gotten publicity. Uh, the PMMA cements uh, uh, are really have about 20 years of use without any significant concerns of the, of the type that have been voiced around the uh, the BMP products.
0: What is a reimbursement status for a procedure with the shield device?
1: Actually, the reimbursement status in both Europe specifically Germany primarily, and the United States is excellent. There are approved codes for these products. Uh, our product falls within those codes. Uh, they are stable, uh, so physicians and hospitals can get reimbursed, and it is uh, really an economically viable procedure for everybody involved, uh, and that is uh, encouraging for you know patients, uh, companies that produce products, and hospitals.
0: So let me ask you this. What is the competition like in the market for you right now?
1: Uh, it is growing because it's such an attractive space. Um, you know, clearly, uh, Medtronic uh, and Stryker are two companies that have very good products and have done a very good job historically uh, and are very formidable competitors. Uh, in parallel, there, have many, there are many startups that are trying to develop uh, what we would call advanced augmentation technologies uh, that uh, improve on what was, has been offered uh, traditionally by Kaifon and Stryker and companies like that. Uh, we are the first of the significant uh, advanced augmentation companies to get an FDA clearance in the United States, uh, so we believe that, that suits us well. Uh, and I know that our competitors are, are going to do uh, significant studies uh, that will take some time, uh, similar to the types of things that we did.
0: So what's unique about the the process using Sotira's device?
1: Well, if you look at the industry, there are really three or four segments of products. Um, it, it started with the simple, simple, simplistic approach of putting in the needle and injecting some cement in, but your ability to control where that cement went was somewhat limited. It would be a little where you aim the uh, needle and a little bit where the, uh, the cracks in the broken vertebral body may be. A company called Kyphon developed a uh, very effective device to create a cavity inside a vertebral body for placement of uh, of cement. But once the device was removed, uh, it didn't provide uh, the same level of direction and each of these products had to come in with one on the left side and one on the right side of the vertebral body. Uh, There have been events, uh, efforts in recent years by companies to develop things that would either come in from one side, so you only have to make one puncture, uh, or perhaps provide some kind of direction to the cement. And the real value of the product that we have gotten uh, together uh, and just declared, uh, the product is called the uh, Shield Kyphoplasty System, is that it can be placed from one side, uh, be central in the vertebral body where the primary load uh, occurs, and the cement is orientated initially to the side towards the anterior, or the front of the patient, and in the inferior and superior position or the top and the bottom of the vertebral body. Uh, that allows uh, what appears to be a more efficient structure and, uh, as importantly, prevents cement from leaking to the back of the vertebral body. Uh, what what we want to do is avoid, as much as uh, possible, any cement getting into the spinal canal uh, or into the venous structures uh, that are to the back side of the vertebral body. So, to describe the product a little more, it is a stent-like device that is Covered in a poly uh, in a in a urethane type material, uh, which has openings in a defined area that directs the cement to where you want it to go. So it is a steering device that controls the delivery of cement to have an optimal result. Is uh, probably the best way I describe it. Uh, and uh, its uh, other key characteristics: it's simply easy for the physician to use uh, and very predictable.
0: Thank you very much for speaking with us today, Larry. We really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for the time, and we appreciate your work on behalf of the industry.